The Team Health Women in Leadership program offers professional development and networking opportunities to connect women leaders across the company. Each episode of this podcast series highlights a Team Health female leader and discusses ideas to inspire career growth. Welcome to another Women in Leadership podcast featuring interviews with Team Health female leaders discussing various topics. This is Glenda Sublett, Senior Vice President of Operations Support here at Team Health National Support Center in Knoxville, Tennessee. I also serve as the Women in Leadership Program Director. For today's podcast, we will be hearing from Dr. Ruby Sahu. Dr. Sahu has been involved with the Women in Leadership Career Path Development Subcommittee and she has most recently become a member of the Women in Leadership Steering Team. So we thought it would be a good time to introduce Dr. Sahu to a broader group of female leaders at Team Health through this podcast format. Dr. Sahu is a Regional Performance Director with Team Health Hospitalist Services, as well as she is a hospitalist physician and a clinical faculty member. Dr. Sahu is involved in the internal medicine and family medicine residency programs at Grand Strand Medical Center in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and the Edward Via College of Osteopathic Medicine in Blacksburg, Virginia. Dr. Sahu has held numerous physician leadership roles in the past, including facility medical director of the hospital group serving Grand Strand, and she became that medical center's first female chief of staff. Thank you, Dr. Sahu, for making time today to share some of your thoughts as a female physician and a female leader. Let's begin, perhaps, by allowing you to explain the role of a regional performance director here at Team Health. Sure, Glenda. Thank you. Uh, as a regional performance director, I have the opportunity to work with an entire team uh, within the hospital services performance improvement team. And everyone on our team uh, works together to help uh, all of our HM programs throughout the country with different process improvement projects, whether it's improving uh, throughput, um, improving length of stay, uh, getting protocols in place to improve patient care and, and really improve work-life balance for our physicians and APCs on the ground. Um, and in addition to that, uh, I work with um, the other RPD uh, on our team, Dr. Sundaraj, to develop CME and education uh, opportunities for our hospital medicine physicians and APCs. Very good, Dr. Sahu. I had the opportunity to work closely with you during some of the COVID preparedness and responsiveness. And wow, the team just did a fantastic job in producing materials and supporting our clinicians on the front line. So let us take a step back from that current role, and I would love for you to be able to describe what were some of your earliest thoughts and motivations around becoming a physician? You know, Glenda, I actually for a while did not know if I wanted to be a physician. I saw my father, who's an internal medicine physician, early on uh, working a lot of hours and just doing so much work, uh, not coming home from the hospital until he knew all of his patients were okay and taken care of. And I thought in the beginning, maybe that's not exactly for me, not just because of the hours, just because of everything that is involved. And, and I don't know if I have the ability to, to go all the way through and all those years of schooling and 
um, a long road to become a physician. Uh, and I had a lot of doubt in the beginning um, to the point that I actually kept it a, kind of a secret that I was even applying for medical school and, and wanting to go down that road because I wasn't sure if it was exactly what I wanted to do. But through college, I realized there's really no other physician, uh, position that I would feel comfortable um, doing uh, because I wanted to find a career where um, it's not just a salary, but it's also uh, a lifestyle that I would enjoy and find a lot of pride in. And I realized um, going back through my childhood experiences, I saw, again, my father, but also all of his colleagues, whether physicians or nurses, um, helping out wherever we went. I can remember being a child in, in my softball games and uh, someone getting hurt and parents from the stands that were in healthcare would just come and, and help whoever it was. And even when we were on vacations or having neighbors show up at our front door um, with whatever ailment that they had and, and my dad and, and those like him go out of their way to help whoever needed it. And I realized as time went on, that was um, the best kind of position that I would find fulfillment in for uh, my entire life rather than just for a short period of time and get bored with it. Um, I don't think I'll ever be bored of being in medicine. It's such an incredibly fulfilling uh, career that I find so much pride in. Interesting comments. You know, you talked about all the years of schooling, and obviously there's a huge commitment to become a physician. When you think back over the, all that education and training, were there some strong female physician role models who you admired, and what were their characteristics that so positively influenced you? Absolutely. I realized in residency I had uh, a role model who went above and beyond with everything that she did. Um, as an example, she completely reformatted our outpatient resident clinic to the point where it started out as a clinic where, um, you know, it kind of had a, a reputation of something that residents just have to endure and go through um, and you put your time in and, and that's kind of it. And it went from that to becoming such an enriching experience that I actually, to be honest, looked forward to going to. And I know many of my physician colleagues felt the same. Um, and she did it by putting together protocols and, and uh, different procedures in place that uh, we as resident physicians could um, learn so much from our patients. And it certainly improved patient care because it was um, so well organized. We had narcotics agreements in place. We had set expectations. We had um, blocked schedules. And all of it was done with her physician leader expertise to put all of that together and organize it in such a way that it had such a huge positive impact on patient care and certainly for the experience of every physician that went through that clinic. Um, definitely for all of the nurses and everyone else involved, um, it was a huge turnaround. And, and that was just one of the many examples of things that she did. And it wasn't until later that I realized more and more that that's um, something that I could really see myself doing something like that um, because I, I saw her do it. I saw so many similarities in, in she and I, and I felt like if she can do it, we, I can also do it. I, it was very inspiring, um, and it was very gratifying going through that entire process with her too, uh, knowing that she was able to contribute so much to patient care and to physician well-being.
excellent example, very transformative example for both patients and clinicians. You said a key uh, phrase there that I'd like to pull on that for just a moment. You said you could see yourself doing some of that similar work. And I know with the Women in Leadership Program and our different subcommittees that being able to have visibility and see what our outstanding female leaders are doing, that's so uh, important for those who are coming behind us. If you thought about that some of the listeners today may be early in their career and perhaps they don't yet have that first leadership position, what specific recommendations would you offer to those female associates and clinicians? Well, I would say first to get rid of the self-doubt that you may have uh, in the beginning. I doubted if I had the ability to be a physician or if I had the stamina to go through everything that I needed to to be a physician and, and when I got there, if I could do it all. Um, and so I would say first to combat the self-doubt that you may have. And secondly, to not care about the biases around you. Um, you may not always have the ability to have these positive female role models in your life. Um, and, and maybe they're outside of medicine. Uh, as an example, my mother was a huge influence on me becoming a physician. And although she wasn't a physician herself, she was my main motivation, I would say, to um, making me feel that I could achieve any goal that I put my mind towards. I would say to, um, to keep that in mind, if that's something that you really want to do, whether it's to be a physician leader or to uh, you know, go on and, and do a specific project, um, you can absolutely do it if you put your mind to it. And you certainly don't have to be perfect in everything that you do. I think as women especially, we sometimes put very high expectations on ourselves and think to ourselves we need to be um, not only the perfect physician, but the perfect mother and the perfect wife and the perfect PTO president of this and that. And, and it just, we kind of add so much to our plates and, and expect ourselves to be doing it all perfectly. And I think that's it's not only unrealistic, but it's unfair to expect of us. And I, I found the solution for me personally was to find my own work-life balance and realize my work-life balance may be different than what the next person will have. And so I shouldn't be comparing myself to what so-and-so has done um, because it's really irrelevant. It comes down to what's going to make myself happy um, and what's important for myself and my family and what works out for me individually. Um, and I've done that by involving my family where I can um, my husband is involved with me in so many aspects of my work, and, uh, and I, I love running things by him, even if it's just to get his input on whether I should go down this road or this road with this project. And I certainly involve my four-year-old son in so many things that I do. Um, most recently, for example, the presentations that I put together related to topics on COVID-19 um, my son was very helpful in uh, choosing different graphics for those presentations. And I did that purposefully because I knew, especially uh, given the daycares and everything had been closed during this time, um, it was important for him to stay involved with what I was doing, um, not just so that he had a handle on what I was doing, but also I, I could sense that he took so much pride in knowing um, what work I was doing, even if it was just to pick out different graphics. Um, he was definitely a part of that, and I think it allowed him to uh, really be proud of the fact that I was doing this work and proud of the fact that I'm a physician and going to work and putting on a white coat and a stethoscope and things like that. He loves hearing me tell stories about my day and uh, patients and things like that, giving him an idea of what that looks like. 
Oh, that's an excellent story. You're influencing, right, that next generation, that four-year-old son who's so proud of his mom and proud that she is a healer, particularly in this challenging time. Uh, that made me think about, I just want to ask, as a female clinician or a female leader, do you believe you've ever been treated differently um, because you were a female? And, and just how did you handle that? Sure. You know, I think that's a difficult topic sometimes to even talk about because it, it sometimes comes through in some unconscious biases that we may all have, men and women, um, but it can be certainly stronger in some individuals than others. And I think that comes from just past experiences and, and, and all the things that shape our, our um, thought process. And, and I'll give an example. When I was just recently married, so I was a newlywed, and considering a physician leadership role, I remember being told by a physician leader in a position above me that maybe it's not the right time for me and something like, well, you probably don't want that. Now is not the right time if you're starting a family or considering starting a family. And I really took it to heart because I thought, well, for one thing, I don't want to react inappropriately and or out of emotions. And so I remember kind of staying silent at that time so I can allow myself to digest it and really think about it. But I realized after the fact that um, it was a, as a result of those um, unconscious biases that that individual had that made him feel that, that uh, a young woman that is going to start a family is not the ideal candidate for a leadership position. That was his, his personal um, thoughts about it. And I personally disagree. And I think that uh, women leaders um, can be incredibly successful and just like we don't put unconscious or unfair biases on men who may be starting out a family, um, even if they're not the one that uh, is going to be pregnant and, and giving birth to the child, they will absolutely have a role in the rearing of that child. And so it's really unfair to say that that uh, individual should not be um, a good candidate, would not be a good candidate for those reasons, whether it's a male or a female. Um, I think instead we should be giving it to the candidate to think about um, if they feel personally that would fit into what they visualize as their personal work-life balance. Um, because if we unfairly put it in our minds that women are not going to be great candidates because of the fact that they may give birth to children at some point in their, their lives, um, we as a healthcare industry um, will be losing out on an incredible base of talent if we're completely um, writing off an entire gender. And I know that there are plenty of women that have taken on leadership responsibilities and other responsibilities while they had been pregnant or bringing up children. Um, I was given the AFMD position when I had a three month old and the year after um, ended up becoming medical director of the year um, as a result of the work that I did as FMD. So I'm very grateful for the individual that selected me for that role and had faith in me despite me having a small child because I think that individual realized that um, the child wasn't going to make a difference in my abilities and that instead I, I had a lot to offer. And I know that there are many women out there that, that would do the same, that would be able to do that really well. Um, so I would say when that type of uh, challenge does come up where um, maybe an unfair bias is being vocalized, I think it's important for us to not stay silent, but instead in a very um, collegial way to bring it up when both parties are calm and receptive and openly talk about why does that bias exist and um, what are the actual concerns? Is it because 
you feel that, um, you know, this person is going to take time off or, you know, that type of thing. But instead, let's have an open conversation about what the root of the bias is rather than writing that person off altogether. Great comments there, Dr. Sahu. Let's step back a second and talk about COVID. Can you share with us a bit about um, how that's been challenging for you as a clinician and as a mother? Uh, and what new insights have you gained through all of this and the pandemic? Yeah, I can honestly say I don't think there's anyone that's working in healthcare in 2020 that has felt that they have been challenged greater than what we've been challenged this year alone. Um, and at the same time, I've never been more proud to be a physician. Uh, I feel like in so many ways, this goes back to why did we become physicians to begin with? Why did we choose healthcare to begin with? And the reason for me has always been, I knew this was a way that I could continue to give to uh, the individuals and community members and, and everyone around me in a way that um, I don't think I would ever otherwise be able to give. And, and this has really shown that. I mean, the, the sacrifices that I've seen my physician, APC, nurse, therapist, everyone in the hospital, healthcare worker colleagues making in the past few months is just indescribable. Uh, I've heard stories of, and, and I've personally experienced times when I've been unable to see my own family members, um, separating from our own children, our own spouses, um, living separately just to keep everyone safe. And even now we continue to go above and beyond um, whether it's to give education to community members or to treat uh, people in the community that need it, um, we are keeping that sense of responsibility to continue helping those around us in any way that we can and trying to keep everyone safe, um, certainly doing all the things that we need to with keeping our masks on, staying isolated, even if we don't see everyone else around us doing the same we know that that's our responsibility to continue doing in order to prevent the spread and, and hopefully so we can get out of this mess uh, very soon. This is why we got into healthcare to begin with to help people. And uh, this has been quite the test for all of us, um, but I've never been more proud to be a part of that. Thank you. There was, um, if you think back across your career and all those who have impacted you, what do you think is the single best piece of advice that you have ever been given that you've carried with you? That's a great question, Glenda. And I would say the best advice came from my mother who told me always, where there's a will, there's a way. And I truly believe that in so many ways, whether it's talking about how do we change things for the better following the death of George Floyd and so many like him, too many. Um, there where there's a will there's a way and and that goes for what i do as an rpd or whether it's um, taking on projects with having a young child and a working husband um, i think that could be applied in so many different ways so i really love that piece of advice oh i love that too let me wrap up by thanking uh, those who have taken the time to listen to this women in leadership podcast series we're always interested in knowing your thoughts and comments, and you can do that with the Zenith post. Please also like the and pin the Women in Leadership Zenith channel so that you can stay updated. Dr. Sahu, again, 
Thank you so much. Thank you, Glenda, for offering this opportunity. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Women in Leadership podcast series. Please share your thoughts by commenting on the Zenith post below. Be sure to join the Women in Leadership Zenith channel to stay updated on podcast episodes, news, meetings, and opportunities.